you can mean well but be in the wrong place. And what you must learn in life is the power of what I call passionate placement. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Passionate placement, which means I need to be in the right place, the right church, the right job, the right city, the right place. Placement's important. Where should you be this morning? Here. I'm convinced of that. Placement is important, and if you don't learn how to put yourself in the right places, you'll end up with the wrong results. In our study today, I want to take you on a journey, 1 Kings 13, and I want to get you to focus on a key word that a young man in this story should have learned, and that's the word no. This sermon is all about saying no where you're not supposed to be. I'm not going there. I will not be there. It's about no. Can you practice that word with me, please? Come on. No. no. I'll trade in. Come on. No. no. And then you, you have to be passionate about it. Not loud, not mean, just passionate. I don't do that. I do this. This is how I manage my money. This is how I manage my life. This is how I resolve my conflicts. And I'm passionate about that. This is um, part of the larger series which we've done this year that answers a question, which is how do you build a future? And I told you that in order to build a future, you know the answer to this. I told you the first month, you got to change the way you what? Think, right? Then you have to change your what? Approach. You knew that though, right? Right? Change your what? Thinking. And then change your what? Approach. And then you have to change. You have to make sure you have clear values. You have to have clear ways you live, things you do and don't do. You have to have a list of them. This is how I manage my wealth. This is how I manage my, my health. This is how I manage. And you're real clear about those, those values. And then uh, this month, you have to have passion. And if you're going to build a future, those things must be in your life. A clear way you think, a clear way you approach things, a clear set of values and principles you live by. You have to have a clear sense of passion when people interact with you. They know what you want. They know what's important to you. And so in talking about passion this month, I gave you some, some things to think about. The first thing I said was, you need an example. And I used John the Baptist. You need somebody that you can look at in the flesh and say, that's a passionate person. That helps you put flesh and bones on what passion looks like and feels like. That's why a person who grows up in a house with an entrepreneur, a person who starts businesses, it's not, it's not hard for them. It's not hard for them to get up early and work long. They get it. They understand what it means. They understand the reward at the end of the day. Then the second sermon I talked to you about the importance of having a long attention span and how that sometimes the problem is we don't stay focused long enough on one thing. We jump around too much. And then thirdly, last week we talked about sacrifice. You have to be passionately willing to sacrifice. Not, no one has to push you. You stay up and burn the oil. You do the study. You do what you have to do because you're passionate about sacrifice. You understand the power of it and how it helps you build the future you want. Today, we talk about the importance of saying no. That may surprise you a little bit, but you have to have passionate yeses and passionate noes. Too many things on your plate. There's too many things in your life. There's a book I'm writing, and we're really editing now. It's, it's, on, it's, on the, it's called The Gumbo Mix, and one of the things is it's a recipe for how to manage your love life and your work life. It shows you how to do that. And one of the key things about this whole book I'm writing is it's all about the mix. It's too much busy in your schedule. The gumbo doesn't taste good. It's too much of something in there that doesn't feel good. That's why you can't get along with that person because when you're together, the two of you, 
the mix is bad. It's too loud, it's too spicy, it's too uh, accusative. There's all these things in the mix. And so when you're with them, it tastes bad. When you're with the other person, it doesn't because you don't have those same kind of kinds of conversations. You got to learn how to get the mix right, the balance everywhere. The more balanced you are, the more balanced I am in church, at home, in my personal life, the better I feel. The better the gumbo tastes. You remember that series, right? The better it feels. And there's sometimes in your life that's the issue. The wrong mix. We're going in the wrong direction. And we don't say no to the right things. No, we, we, just, we just don't talk like that. No, I'm sorry. Let's start again. Let's back up. Wrong, wrong mix. We're going to end up in a place we don't want to be. I apologize for my part of that. Let's start over again. Let's dump the pot, start again. This is not working. There's something about saying no that's not where I'm going to be. And so, as I, before I read the story to you in 1 Kings, let me just ask you a few questions. This is my, my big question for today. Today's big question. Where were you never supposed to be ever in life? Where were you never supposed to go or be in life? Think about this for a minute. Go back in your mind and ask yourself, okay, if I can go back, I would tell myself never go there. Don't be that person. Where would you, can you name in your mind the place? Who was never supposed to pay you? In this story, you're going to find there's a guy named Jeroboam who wanted to pay this prophet, and God never wanted Jeroboam to be the guy who paid him. He didn't want him to owe Jeremiah, Jeroboam anything. In our story today, you're going to see there are, there's a list of people there are three specific people that we're going to talk about. Repeat their name with me, please. Say Jeroboam, Jeroboam. young prophet, young prophet. The, old prophet. the old prophet. Those are the three stars of the story today. Jeroboam is the king. Now let's go back and do a little history. In Israel, you had the first king was Saul. After Saul, you have David. After David, you have Solomon. And then Solomon had a son. His son's name was Rehoboam. Can you say that name, please? Rehoboam was the son that was pulled aside by a servant at the time. His name was Jeroboam, the guy in our story today. Jeroboam came representing the people. Now, Jeroboam and Solomon had an issue, and so Jeroboam had to leave town running for his life. But when Solomon died, the people asked Jeroboam to come back and sort of represents them before the new king, Rehoboam. And so he says to Rehoboam, the new king, son of Solomon, hey, listen, we have one request that you would be kinder. Wouldn't work us so hard. Your father was a slave driver. He built all these cities. He did all this work, and it was really hard on us. So if you could be nicer, that's what they asked him. He said, we'll be loyal to you for years. Well, Rehoboam told him, well, think about it, get back with you. And so what he did was he met with the older elders, the people who worked with his father, and, and they agreed. They said, you know what? Your father was hard. Why don't you lighten the load a little bit? Then he went and asked his homies, the homeboys, you know, the people you grew up with in the hood, you know, the neighborhood. <laughs> and they told him, no, nah, man, don't fall for that. Be tough. And so he decided to be tough, tougher than his father, and they rebelled. And what happened was two tribes, there were 12 tribes of Israel, Two tribes went with Rehoboam, and ten tribes went with, guess who, Jeroboam. 
And Jeroboam becomes the king, and Jeroboam becomes the king of the northern part and of Israel, and, and, and of course, uh, Rehoboam, the southern part. So you've got this, these two, two kingdoms of Israel now, and Jeroboam becomes this ungodly king. Power goes to his head. He begins to worship idols on what's called the high places. And that's where they would go up and they would build these, these, these worship centers in these mountains and they worship false gods. And so Jeroboam is up there in our story and he's going to be worshiping these idols. Now, I want you to think with me for a minute. This, this, the, these questions I'm asking you all tie to the story. So let me ask you again. Who were you never supposed to pay? Who was never supposed to pay you? In our story, it's going to be Jeroboam. Who were you never supposed to be friends with? Who were you never supposed to eat or hang out with? If you look back in your life, who, was the, who can you name? Who were you to passionately avoid? Because if you interacted with this person, it would end your life. There are people in the graveyard today because they, had friend, they made friends with the wrong people. That's the sole reason they're dead. Their life was cut short. They went to prison. They had a challenge. They have financial issues. Now, because of the one person they chose to be with. And I want you to think with me in that story, where were you never supposed to be? As you read through the story with me, think about that. Think about your life. You're going to see people in this story who never should have been friends with, the, with certain people, who never should have eaten with certain people. You're going to see it, and I want you to look at it and think about yourself and ask yourself, boy, can I relate to that? 1 Kings chapter 13, verse 1. Now, I'm going to give you a list of supposed-to-be places and not-supposed-to-be places. Can you say that? Come on. Supposed-to-be places and not-supposed-to-be places. I'm going to go back and forth a little bit. He was supposed to be here. He was not supposed to be there. 1 Kings chapter 13. Behold, a man of God went from Judah to Bethel by the word of the Lord, and Jeroboam stood by the altar to burn incense. Now, this is the young prophet I told you about. So he cried out against the altar by the word of the Lord and said, O altar, altar, thus says the Lord, Behold, a child, Josiah by name, shall be born in the house of David, and on you he shall sacrifice the priest of the high places who burn incense on you, and men's bones shall be burned on you, and you going, what in the world does that all mean? Well, I'll tell you. Jeroboam the king is at the altar. And remember, he's worshiping false gods at this altar. And it's in, a, in what they call the high places. He's going to, on like a, on a high mountain. And so the young prophet comes to Jeroboam, and he is assigned by God to go to a place called Bethel. That's where he's supposed to be. Now, where is this young prophet supposed to be? Bethel. That's the place. Now, secondly, his purpose in being there is to, secondly, confront Jeroboam about the idol worship. And so what the young prophet says to him is, if you go back to the, under number one there, verse two, he said, a Josiah by name shall be born into the house of David, and, and on you he shall sacrifice priests of the high places. In other words, all you guys who are worshiping idols here in these high places, there's a king that's going to come, and he's going to, just, he's, going to he's going to end all this. The same altar that you're worshiping these false gods on, he's going to kill you on. So it's a very threatening kind of warning. About an, so you go to the king and say, there's another king that's going to replace you. And then gives his name and says he's going to take over. So, so this, is not, this is not a good thing. And he says, this is the sign in verse, um, verse 2 there. 
verse 3 rather. This is the sign which the Lord has spoken. Surely the altar shall be split apart and the ashes on it shall be poured out. He says, okay. Now, this young prophet walks in, looks at, looks at, looks at him, and speaks these strong words. And I want you to watch what happened. He's there because he's supposed to confront him. But watch in verse 4 what happens when he does. And it came to pass when Jeroboam heard the saying of the man of God who cried out against the altar in Bethel that he stretched out his hand from the altar saying, arrest him. Then, watch this now, his hand which he stretched out toward him withered so that he could not pull it back to himself. Now that's bad. The young prophet, young prophet says what he's supposed to say. He's where he's supposed to be. And notice this is not an easy job, which makes the point, all assignments aren't easy. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. All assignments aren't easy. We have this idea that everything God calls us to should be simple. No, it's sometimes it's threatening. This is difficult. And then the king points his hand at him, and this is really amazing. He, it withers, and he can't draw it back. Now, you know what? That's the that's, that's moment. One thing to wither, another thing to be like this for the rest of your life. This is to remind you when you brush your teeth. You shouldn't have, you shouldn't have pointed. This is to remind you. And so he points, and then he prays this prayer. He says, hey, uh, okay, okay, hey, okay, okay, this is serious now. Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, could you pray for me? I need you to do something about this is bad, withered hand, and I'm going to look at it for the rest of my life. This is bad. And so the prophet, the young prophet, prays for him. His hand goes back to normal, and he's all right. Now, you know, when you mess with certain people, your whole spirit changes. You know and I'm telling you, I guarantee you all the Jeroboam's men, hand behind your back, that's it. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not arresting him. You just look at your hand. Look at you. <laughs> you. Oh, no, not me. I need these hands. <laughs> oh, boy. And so I'm telling you in this moment, watch what happens now. He is invited by the king to come eat with him. Verse 7, the king uh, said to the man of God, come, come home with me, uh, and refresh yourself, take a shower, Let's take a bath here. I got some a nice bathtub, whatever, and uh, I'll give you a reward. I even give you some money. Uh, yes, sir, I'll pay you today. But the man of God said to the king, if you, were, if you were to give me half of your house, I would not go in, I would not go in with you, nor would I eat bread with you, nor drink water in this place. So I'm not going to eat with you. I'm not going to your house. Here's why. Verse 9. For it, so it was commanded to me by the word of the Lord, saying, You shall not eat, read it with me, please, come on. You shall not eat bread, nor drink water, nor return by the same way you came. Pause. I don't want you to eat with him when you get there. I don't want you anywhere around them. Don't drink water, nothing. And I don't even want you to go, go back the same way you came in. Find a different route out of town. So he went another way and did not return by the way that he came to Bethel. Now, this is, this is a bad man. When he walks out, everybody's parting the ways. Okay, you don't want to stay? You go. I'm not, go, just go. Just <laughs> hand behind your back. Don't point at him. Don't point. Oh, boy, remember that? that was, I mean, this is amazing. Now, watch this now. There's an amazing thing that happens, though. An old prophet hears about this. And the sons of the old prophet, they come in, and the old prophet runs behind him 
and tries to convince him to come back. Now, listen to what happens under number four. Now, he was never supposed to stay with Jeroboam, and he was not supposed to stay or eat with this old prophet that's going to try to convince him. Look at verse 11. Now, an old prophet dwelt in Bethel, and his sons came and told him all the works that the man of God had done that day in Bethel. And they also, they also told their father the words. So look, the, the father was told the words which, which he had spoken to the king. So he knew he was not supposed to come back. He knew he was not supposed to eat there. He knew all that. But watch verse 12. Their father said, said to them, which way did he go? Why do you want to know that? Well, look at verse uh, <laughs> goes on for his sons had seen which way the man of God went. Verse 13, so he said to his sons, saddle me a donkey. So he saddled the donkey for him, rode on it, and went after the man of God, found him sitting on an oak tree. And he said to him, are you the man of God who came from Judah? And he said, I am he. And he said, come eat bread with me. And he said, I cannot return with you, nor go in with you. Neither can I do what? Eat bread, nor what? With you in this place, for I've been told by who? The by the word of the Lord that you shall not eat bread, nor drink water there, nor return by going the way you came. Now, I want to pause for a minute. You ever, you ever been clear in your mind until somebody convinces you of something else? Can you name the person? Don't say it out loud. Can you name the person who convinced you to take a route that you knew? You were absolutely clear this was bad. You knew. But watch what happens. He said to him, I am a prophet as you are. I'm a man of God too. And I'm going to up you one. An angel spoke to me. Now he's lying. Have you ever wondered for a minute? Just think with me for a second. Look at me for a second. Why would God have to send for a young prophet if he already has an old prophet in town? <laughs> just a thought I mean why would you outsource the work you got a good old prophet and his son's all in town the whole family you got a religious family right here at the head of the church right why don't you use these people he must have been off he had issues you can be religious you can be been in the Bible a long time in church a long time and you can be a little off in order for God to do anything, he has to step over you because of the way you think. So you have to understand, the, the, the young guys came home. His sons came home and said, ooh, daddy, you should have seen him. He was a ninja. He was amazing. And then he pointed and then his hand withered. And they, oh, it was amazing. And that boy, that boy was amazing. And daddy said, I want to see him. I want to know him. Let him know I'm a prophet too. There's some pride going on here. I need to be equal with. And there's this temptation to somehow compete. And so he goes to the young man and convinces him to go back. So verse 19, he went back. Have you ever gone back? Let's think about that for a minute. You ever, you ever went back? One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Galatians says, Be not again entangled in the yoke of bondage, wherewith you've been made free. I think it's chapter 5. No, don't go back. Come on, tell your neighbor, say, don't go back, don't go back. You, you go back, you go back. He went back. I was, oh, boy, we no trouble, trouble. Okay, no, don't go back. You ever told your kids, and they went back again? Don't go back. Here it is, verse 6, 19. He went back, and he ate. There he go. Ate bread in his house and drank. Now, this is why I didn't like the story. Verse 20. This is my reason 
why I, I, I've never, I'm not really preached this much. It used to just bother me. I didn't understand this story. I used to, why is this in the Bible? Well, l- l- you'll see why in a minute. Look at verse 20. Ooh, this gets on my nerve. Verse 20. <laughs> now it happened as they sat at the table that the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back, the old prophet. And verse 21, and the old prophet cried out to the man of God, which is the young prophet who came from Judah, saying, thus says the Lord, because you have disobeyed the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment which the Lord your God has commanded you, but you came back and ate bread and drank water in the place of which the Lord said to you, eat no bread and drink no water, your corpse shall come, shall not come to the tomb of your fathers. In other words, you're going to die and you'll never go home. Oh, yes, what I said, my God, I agree. What in the world is this about? How in the world? How could you with your ungodly old self prophesy to me? You're the reason I'm here. You told me you saw an angel and you haven't been lied to by a Christian. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> they told you it was God. It was, that was not God. Now, that was not God. <laughs> Think about that for a minute. Let me show you what happens to you when you're with the wrong people in the wrong places. First thing that happens to you is you create hardship for yourself. You create hardship for yourself. You're sitting there eating and the man starts prophesying to you that you shouldn't be here. Why would you invite me here then? Number two, you'll end up with what I call disobedient display. Can you say that with me, please? Come on. Disobedient display. Now look at verse 23. After he'd eaten the bread, after he'd drunk, he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet. So he saddled the donkey for him. He felt sorry. I, I, I'll fix your donkey up for you. You're getting ready to die. Might as well get it. <laughs> he saddled the donkey for him, the prophet whom he had brought back. And when he'd gone, a lion met him on the road and killed him. Let's have a moment of silence. You ever been where you wasn't supposed to be? See, I want you to understand, he wasn't supposed to be on this road. He had already passed this road. If he had stayed on the road and had told the old prophet no, he would have lived. He wouldn't have been dead. He is only dead now because he went back to where the lion was. That's the problem with going back. You're going back. It's a lion. See, the Lord knew that. The Lord said, I'm going to time this for you. Let me tell you what I want you to do. I want you to go in town this way, okay? And I want you to don't eat. Mm-mm, you ain't got time to eat. Because you eat, the lion's going to be there if you eat. You be staying too long. The lion's going to be there exactly at 2 o'clock. Now, if you stay and you eat, <laughs> you're going to beat the lion. And don't go back the way you came, because that's where the lion is. Go out another way. See, all this is part of God's plan. I'm trying to help you. Don't do this. Don't do this. Not le- okay, now listen. Listen, here's what you do. Don't eat. Don't drink. Give the word. Get out of town, dude. Don't come back. But instead, he went back. Then he went back the same way he came and ended up meeting who? The lion. It's amazing what you'll avoid if you obey. You wouldn't even be in that place. That's why you got to be passionate about where you're placed. 
You're supposed to be in this town, not that town. You're supposed to be on this job, not that job. God's trying to help you. Passionate placement. Some things you were never supposed to experience. You can name them. You were never supposed to be in that place, never supposed to have that kind of debt. Never, ever in your life. You weren't supposed to even know Visa. Visa not supposed to be, you're not supposed to be your friend. How Visa get to be your close friend? I'll tell you what you did. You charged her $5,000. You got 16% interest. It'd take you 11 years to pay it off. That's why Visa's going to be with you for a while. And then you charge again. That's 10000 That's another 11 years. Lord Jesus, this is, this is a prison sentence. But you was, <laughs> you're mad when you open. You're scared to go to the mailbox. You have to pray to go to the mailbox. You know why? Because Visa's in there waiting on your hand. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. I need, hey, come on. Let me out. Let me out. And we're never supposed to be afraid of tax time, never supposed to be afraid of all this stuff. But because we go the wrong way, we're not what we're supposed to be. You're supposed to finish college. Uh oh. <laughs> but it was ladies' night, right? And the feeling was like, oh, what a night. Da, 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 da. Ow! Right? Wasn't it ladies' night? It was ladies' night. Ow! Man, you just had to go to ladies' night. Now you broke as can be. Can't pay your bills at all. <laughs> yes, Jesus. Call upon him. <laughs> Which is cool. Walking through the campus smiling. <laughs> now you drive by it. <laughs> Can't get back in. I'm not making fun of you. You know I'm telling the truth. Come on. Might as well laugh and tell the truth. Shame the devil. We had no business being in this place. That's why we don't like it. We don't like it. We're not supposed to be here. He saw the lion. Lion saw him. But the lion didn't eat him. The lion just killed him. It just a beat down. You know, it's bad. It's, oh, this is judgment. This is judgment. Oh, boy. Okay, I'm gone. That's it. I'm out. Now, now what's amazing is then the Bible goes on and says, and his donkey was standing there. <laughs> Watching him get beat down. Donkey didn't help him at all. Oh, boy. Donkey busted. I'm next. <laughs> and so listen, watch this. This is amazing. This is what I call disobedient display. Verse 23. So it was after he'd eaten bread and drank. I'm sorry. Verse um, 25. That's right. Verse 20. No, 23. Keep Killed him. Okay. Verse 25. Uh, and there men passed by and saw the corpse thrown on the road, verse 25, and the lion standing by the corpse. Now, why would the lion stay there? He didn't need him to stand there looking. Hey, y'all, this is what happened when you disobey. <laughs> and watch this now. It says, then they went and told it in the city where the old prophet dwelt. Now, when the, when the prophet who had brought him back from the way he heard it, he said, it is the man of God who who was disobedient to the word of the Lord. Let's slap him. <laughs> but you, you're the reason he's dead. Or can we blame him? Pause for a minute. Can we blame the guy you married, but you married him? Can we blame him? Can we marry? Who are we going to blame? Who chose it? Who said I do? You. I'm sorry. Who are we going to blame? Who are we going to blame? We, I, I want to blame this old prophet. I'm telling you right now, I want to, you know, we want to put, put a whipping on him. But, but to be honest, all, he, all the old prophet had to do was say what? No. no. 
when that boy asked for your number, you could have just said what? No. There you go. But you didn't. Okay. 277-444-888. I'm home after six. <laughs> she was too cute to say no to. You just couldn't tell her no. She was too fine. So all these issues that you're dealing with, all this, I don't know, but me, I still got a little issue with the old prophet. That's just me, but watch what happens. So he saddled up his mule, he goes, and he gets the corpse. And, 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 and I just want you to notice, this is, this is something everybody saw. When you're disobedient, sometimes you'll end up on disobedient display. Well, you did it, huh? Okay, everybody look at this. Here we go. Got a movie for you to see. <laughs> Oh, you can name people. They're on disobedient display. You know, when you're on drugs and you're getting high, you don't think you look like high. Y'all don't, don't, don't say yes. to People may know you. Nick, you know what I'm talking about. But, but <laughs> when, you, when you're smoking weed, you be just as high and you, just, you think you look normal, but you don't. Everybody can say, oh, boy, disobedient display. Because <laughs> first of all, they can smell you coming. Oh, boy, that's weed. There you go. <laughs> You've been smoking it today because then you try to spray yourself. You can't hide it. It's too strong. And, but people can tell. If you drink a whole, people can tell. After a while, they can tell. They can tell by the questions you ask. They can tell by the comments you make. You go to the gas station, you get $3 worth of gas. They know something wrong. You understand? They say, oh, boy, $3. $3. You stop right at 3 2 one nine two ninety nine. Can't go over $3. <laughs> I'm going to get some more later. I don't like the price here. You lying. You ain't got no money. That's the problem. <laughs> See, the truth is, you know, you diso come on, say disobedient. disobedient. Display. Disobedient. When you obey, you don't have those issues. I know you can have a rough spot. I understand that. But, and, I, and I don't want to make fun of people in a rough spot. You did all you could do and you're in a rough spot. I'm not making fun of you. I'm just making a point. A lot of us would say, okay, I'm part of this. Let me move on. What happens to you when you're in the wrong place is you create hardship for yourself. Number two, you end up with disobedient, with, with diso on, on disobedient display. And then number three, people will know you've been disobedient. People, when they look at you, they go, I know what happened to them. I know how that happened. And then number four, the wrong people will have the last word in your life. To me, that's significant. The prophet, verse 29, took up the corpse of the man of God and laid him on, on the donkey and brought him back. Now, now, imagine, this is not a guy you want to touch you at death. If I could ask God, for, let me keep reading before I tell you what I pray for. So the old prophet came to the city to mourn and bury him and then laid the corpse in his own tomb. So now you're going to bury me in his tomb. And they mourned over him, saying, Alas, my brother. Really? <laughs> really? Watch this now. Verse 31. So, so it was after he had buried him that he spoke to his son, saying, When I am dead, bury me in the tomb where the man of God is buried. Lay my bones beside his bones. The wrong people now will have power over his life. And the wrong people, will be, he'll be buried with the wrong people. Now, 
If I could ask God one thing, if I was him, Lord, please, let me just scoot over. <laughs> just, just, just scoot me over, Jesus. Don't, don't let me be buried with this man. I just, but that's what happens when you're in the wrong place that you're not supposed to be in. Because you weren't passionately committed. Now, when I read this story, let me tell you, it does raise the big question for me. Am I where am I supposed to be? Am I in the right place? But then I had a thought. If I'm really honest, I've been like this young prophet. The thing is, I didn't die. I just got some bite marks. I escaped. But if you look on my thigh, there's a little mark right there. Where, <laughs> where that lion, he got a hold of me a little bit. I got a few bruises. Because I chose to go back to a place, eat at a place, fellowship at a place that God had told me to stay away from. Because God knew if you go back there, you do that one more time, you interact that way, you take that risk one more time, you're going to be in the wrong place and have the wrong result. And so let me ask you, are you where you should be? Next week, I'm going to take a turn, and I'm going to talk about one more passion that you need. And that's, that is you must be passionate about doing the right thing. You got to be passionate about the right thing. And if you're not passionate about the right thing, you'll end up in the wrong place. And after that, we're going to start a new series, and I'm going to talk to you about three disciplines that can change your future. There are three things that you can be passionately committed to, and those things will change your life. Did you learn something today? Amen. I hope you did. God bless you. <laughs> Father, we leave this service today with a commitment to learn and grow. This series on passion, I pray, has inspired us, has motivated us to become more engaged. Passion is having a strong desire that's self-driven and self-motivated. Well, we want to be, we're determined to be what you've called us to be. And I pray, Father, for everyone that's home and everyone that's here today, that they would say, Jesus, I come to you with passion. I want to have a passionate commitment to being in the right place, where I'm supposed to be, right here at Overcoming by Faith, pastoring these people with the best, best I can passionately working on each sermon, praying about everything we do, passionately making right decisions, good business decisions, passionately managing our staff, passionately caring for the 3,400 people that are active in this church. That's my place in the world. Loving our city, praying for our leaders, doing my part, passionately committed to my family, to my wife, to my health, eating well, to resting. I must learn how to balance that. I want you to look at me for a second. I want to pause the prayer and say this to you. It is a fight. There are times you say, Pastor, I get it. I'm, I'm supposed to be see, at home with the kids, at work, exercising, cooking meals. <laughs> oh, man. But at least you're in the fight. And you learn how to divide up your time. 
You learn how to set things in motion. This is Diane's day. When I finish preaching these sermons, it's Ricky day. It's take off the suit, put on some ugly, ugly clothes, and go do something completely fun just for you and take off tomorrow. Those are Ricky's recuperating days. Period. End of discussion. Exercise, walk, take care of yourself, breathe. And if you if you understand this, you write the other sermon kind of ahead. So you kind of off the whole week. <laughs> you work ahead, so you're not under that. Instead of preachers under that Saturday night bondage, oh God, give me a word, give me a word, pray, help me. Why don't you just pause for a minute? Put yourself in the place. It's not going to be an easy fight. Can you lift your hand? I want to pray for you. Father, help them today. Many of them are fighting this fight. They're striving. They're working. They want to be in the right place. Help us all to find the courage to be passionate about where we're putting ourselves. And Lord, as I get ready to teach on time and how you manage your time, help us, Lord God, to open our hearts to God's best plan for us. And then once we get there, we got to settle and say no to the rest of the world for now. Can't add anything to this plate right now. I'm doing these three things. These are the most important things in my schedule, in my life. And Father, when we're in the right place we're supposed to be, we sit there with joy, thanking you for the opportunities. It may be a little boring. It may not be as exciting as we want it to be, but it's where we should be for now. You're a mother with three kids, four kids. This is your place. Settle here. You're not supposed to be traveling the world right now. That's coming later. Settle where you are. You're supposed to be working in school. This is, this is school season. Settle in this place and embrace it. And so, God, I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Now, with every head bowed, every hand down for a minute, I pray also for people who need to, to make a decision about their life, their walk with God. I pray, Father, that the Holy Spirit would bring life and strength and grace to them. Some people have never given their lives to Jesus, and some have given their lives to Christ, but they've got away from God. So today, I pray for them. If they've never given their life to Jesus, never said, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life, let this be the day they say that. And so I declare in Jesus' name the grace of God upon them. You died on the cross so that they might be free. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you say, Pastor, pray that prayer for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. What you said today made a lot of sense. And I, I realize I need to be, and I, I know where I need to be. I need to be closer, closer with God than I have been. And I need to give him my life. With every head bowed, every eye closed. Raise your hand and say, pray that prayer for me, Pastor. That prayer is for me. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray that prayer for me. I see you. Anybody else saying, pray that prayer. That prayer is for me. I need Jesus in my life, Pastor. I see you as well. Anybody else? Just put your hand on me. I'm praying for you. Father, let this be that moment for those who raise their hands and those who raise their hearts. When they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. And I give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Thank you for coming. Can we give God a big hand clap? I'm so glad you came today. Lord, we love you and appreciate you.